0: Welcome to Hoo Hoo Hail, a championship podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ko, and with your lovely, alluring co-host, Kathy Chong, the only Indiana football fan in the entire city of Chicago.
1: Whether you're a Wolverine fan, a Hoosier fan, or you just love Big Ten sports and college football, we hope you like what we have to offer, and we are so excited to have you with us today.
0: Kathy, what's with our title? I'm sure the listeners want to know. Why are we called Hoo Hoo Hail?
1: <laughs> well, Jeff, Who 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 is your favorite IU chant, since you're such a big IU fan.
0: Only because I like you. As an adopted Hoosier fan, I need to be constantly educated for the benefit of our podcast audience and for me. What are the various IU chants?
1: Who? 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 Hoosiers? That's one of my favorites. My other favorite cheer is Indiana our Indiana, that they play with all the flags during the under eight-minute timeout during basketball season.
0: And you were so excited to point it out when we went to see the game.
1: Yeah, I was. It's my goal to be in the the cheer one day and be one of the flag wavers.
0: Do you have to be a famous Indiana alum to be included?
1: Perhaps, or maybe just some contributions to Indiana University might help.
0: From Michigan, Hail to the Victors is the best fight song in the entire land.
1: From what I've seen, Only If You're Drunk on a bus from Duffy's.
0: I'll have you know, President Gerald Ford had the White House band play Hail to the Victors instead of Hail to the Chief every time he entered a room. Duffy's does have an amazing game day buffet spread. They have a good party bus up to Ryan Field at Northwestern.
1: Northwestern. We're big Coach Fitz fans on this podcast. Big 10 West chants, baby.
0: Ryan Field is definitely a different experience to the Big House, much more like a high school stadium. We did get so close to seeing Coach Harbaugh. I told you hey, we got to go see warmups. And you're like, oh, why are we going to see warmups? Did you did you like seeing that?
1: I did. It felt like I was seeing a celebrity. And you're right. He was really close to me. I don't have any comments about the size of Ryan Field.
0: I'm pretty snooty about that big house seating 120,000. We were really close. And Coach Harbaugh was rallying up the troops. And it was all lovely. He does that awkward. We, we try to spot him, you know, the way that he hunches over and runs towards the field. <laughs> and I think we spotted him doing that, what, like four or five times?
1: Yeah, give or take.
0: Big Ten West, by far the strongest stronger half of the Big Ten Conference.
1: Who Who Hail is a blend of Jeff's favorite IU chant, as we know, and the best party bus fight song, and we thought the alliteration was cool.
0: That explains a lot about the first half of our title, but what about our subtitle? It's Who Who Hail, a championship podcast. The championship part, Kathy, what do you think the odds are of Indiana football winning a championship this year? Five to one?
1: It's funny you ask me because I actually do know the real answer to this. We were at the Win recently, and according to the Wynn Book. It's 300 to one. I really like those odds. You got a good quarterback, Peyton Ramsey. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Our running back, Stevie Scott, will break some new records. And our new offensive coordinator, DeBoer, not to be confused with the old offensive coordinator, DeBoer, he will let Payne sling the ball.
0: I was listening to the MGO blog podcast guys yesterday. Their preview of Indiana was that literally Debord and DeBoer are the same person, except with one letter change in the last name. As Michigan fans, we miss Mike DeBoard a lot. He Mm -hmm. won us the 1997 title as the C. Clearly, from how enthusiastic Kathy is about IU football, who who hail is as a championship podcast is an ironic aspirational subtitle for two long-suffering fan bases, Indiana for Kathy, Michigan for me.
1: Jeff, is this the year Harbaugh finally beats Ohio State?
0: I think so. I mean, so many years last time I saw a live victory was my 3 all year in 2011 at the Big House. It's been too long. This fan base really need that. It all rests on that game. High noon, Thanksgiving Saturday, Bo's spirit looking over Harbaugh. I think this might be the year. Shea Patterson is going to New York. Uh, not sure if he actually wins the Heisman, but he's going to be there shaking hands with Tua, Trevor Lawrence.
1: Those guys might have a chance at the Heisman, but that's only if Peyton Ramsey doesn't win at first.
0: We're also big Payne Ramsey podcast here. We really like his hustle. We watched him as a, I want to say, redshirt freshman. Even though DeBoer didn't let him sling the ball, he was pretty tenacious. He ran, put his head down. I think they, the statistic was he was the person who was allowed to throw the least long passes. What's board's philosophy?
1: It's run, run, maybe pass.
0: They didn't let him do his thing, but you also have Stevie Scott, phenomenal running back. You think he's going to be the best running back in the league this year?
1: He really made the game for me several times last year, so I would not call him short on that. I think Just it'll be great.
0: Give him the ball, ask him to plow through, fight a gap, run yeah, through it. exactly. Kathy, how did you become the only IU football fan in the entire city of Chicago?
1: Joe's on Wheat Street, it's one of the most popular IU bars in Chicago. I went there on game day and they had reserved the entire second floor for IU fans to come and cheer and watch the game. So I dressed up in all my awesome IU gear, ready to cheer the Hoosiers on with all of my favorite Chicagoans.
0: It was you, me, two Illinois fans that were watching the other TV that we kicked out.
1: Yeah, those poor people. And we also had the poor server lady behind the bar that we had to overtip because we ended up being the only ones there all day.
0: It was kind of awkward. She kept looking at us, seeing if we needed more wangs or drinks. Yeah. And, and we were like, we're kind of full, but we're going to buy more things so you make more tips.
1: Exactly. Very full, very tipsy. I want to help you, but you know my stomach's just too full now.
0: Remember the time that we went to the IU bar that was also in Chicago, that was actually a Nebraska bar?
1: Okay, Jeff. Just so you know, and to make it clear, Kirkwood's is an IU bar. But for whatever reason, when we went that day, they said TV rights or something like that. They had to play the Nebraska game. There was not one TV on that had the IU game on.
0: The games were on at the same time, and they had a patio. They had enough stairs. They had a side part, and they wanted to change one TV. The sound was Nebraska, and we were like, well. We parked, we'll just watch one of the TVs and we had to maybe put it up on our phone. It just wouldn't change any TVs.
1: Yeah, it was actually terrible. So we had to leave.
0: What about the IU bar that we tried to find in Los Angeles? I think it's kind of a hobby of ours to find IU bars in different cities that we visit.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a perk of traveling. We went to this bar that was supposed to be an IU bar. There was a bunch of Georgia fans there. The game and the sound was focused on the Georgia game. But with our lovely charm, we got them to turn the sound on for the IU game.
0: I think it was more my charm, but who's counting?
1: Yeah, I usually let Jeff think that.
0: Were you always a big IU fan when you went to school there?
1: I actually got into IU football at the 2017 Indiana-Michigan overtime game.
0: Overtime. You guys were rolling with that hashtag chaos team for a bit. I think every time Indiana plays Michigan, it's a stupid game. It's guaranteed to be stupid. Although, what is it? The last time you won against us in Bloomington was 1987. And at the big house, it was 1967. What is that 50 game losing streak?
1: Okay, shut up, Jeff. You and your fancy stats. We're going to win this year and that's all that matters.
0: I think it's actually the 24 game winning streak. I was looking it up before the podcast today.
1: Blah, okay, blah.
0: You think we're making it 25?
1: No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'll be honest. So actually before that 2017 game, I was definitely someone who went to the tailgate and stayed at the tailgate.
0: And how are the tailgates in Bloomington? Which ones do you go to? I I don't really know that scene that well
1: tailgating at bloomington is awesome just south of the football stadium there's a bunch of areas that folks just kind of go out and tailgate so you've got all the fraternity and sororities you have a bunch of alumni that come back and you have all these other folks that are out there to to eat a lot of good food to drink to park their car and just hang out and listen to good music and have a good time
0: what is that bar that gives all the free stuff that we walk past like you know they give a shirt and a mug
1: that's a good question it's called kilroy's they are really really great they're known for giving out t-shirts at least once a week they have kegs and eggs the more before games, you know, they can even get alumni who graduated many, many years ago out of bed early and tailgating early.
0: And then, how is the line? Like, do you have to, how many hours before the game do you have to get there? Is it, is it hard to get into Hillroyds on game day?
1: That's a good question. I heard it's safe to to be there by like seven or eight o'clock or so.
0: So, that's for a noon game? So, you get yeah. there five hours in advance? Yep. Okay. Tell me about that 2017 overtime game. It's, it's the first game that you really, is it fair to say that's the first game that you really focused on the X's and O's and? thought through the game?
1: Yeah, it was a very memorable day. I know weather-wise, it was a beautiful day. Sunny, perfect temperatures. We were outside. um, We were actually in Bloomington, actually in our massive football stadium.
0: And it's so massive that I initially couldn't find it as we were driving (laughs) towards it. I'll give it to you. Assembly Hall actually is iconic and massive. What, What do you call your football stadium? Not so much.
1: So it's called the Indiana something memorial football stadium. But you were actually sketching out the plays for the first two quarters, which I found interesting.
0: I usually try not to mansplain football. But I think at this point, since that game, you picked up the X's and O's. And, and as it was the first game, you were really, really on the edge of your seat focused on on, on how the plays are gone.
1: Yeah, you probably enjoyed my like sudden movements and startles and, and screams every time something happened. It was really cool because I got my first experience of our amazing Prince DeBoard out there calling plays for IU football.
0: On this podcast, we'll be referring to Mike DeBoard as either our prince or the play sequence run, run, pass. That's also called a Mike DeBoard on this mm-hmm. podcast. As our prince, he's the 1997 national title winning offensive coordinator, Mike DeBoard. That's his full title.
1: Can you tell we like Mike DeBoard? This is very much a Mike DeBoard podcast.
0: Go defunct San Diego Fleet. Although I heard yesterday some rumors that I think he's going back to Michigan to coach women's gymnastics. I think he, he had that double title when he was offensive coordinator. He, he got to coach some of the other teams too.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. I might be watching me some um, women's gymnastics quite soon here.
0: You think he can make the women's gymnastic team run, 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 and then run some more? I was
1: going to say, maybe it's run, run, flip.
0: There's no ball, so you can't pass it. I think like he definitely goes by the philosophy that if you pass the ball, three things can happen and two <laughs> of them are bad.
1: <laughs>
0: we were watching that interview of him, and Coach Allen was up in arms because the board said, Yeah, sometimes when you pass the ball, you don't know where it goes. And this is from your offensive coordinator. That's kind of disturbing, don't you think?
1: Yeah, that was a really interesting comment. I mean, I would hope that if someone passes the ball, there's a place in mind for it to go and that people are fairly aware if you're on the team that you're passing to.
0: Poor Peyton Ramsey. Hopefully, you know, as you said, winning the Heisman this year, I don't think it's going to happen. But if he (laughs) has any chance... Deboer's got to let him pass the ball. Got to let him loose, right?
1: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta let your star shine.
0: And it seems like Coach Allen, even though Coach Allen's background is a defensive coach background, seems like he he, he wants you know to open it up a bit. And I think that's why the Deboer hire. He wants to open up the offensive plays a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that you know we're we tend to be a conservative team, but I think it's time to switch it up a little bit and let people off guard because everyone's kind of predicting our plays. I mean, even the time that I was at the game with you. It was my first game that I was paying attention to. But by the third quarter, I correctly predicted every single offensive play that was drawn up by Mike DeBoard. You know, if I can do it as a first timer, Don Brown there is just sitting there looking his chops.
0: Those fourth quarter and overtime plays, uh, it's just, just so, so predictable.
1: Yeah, as we mentioned, it's the run, run, pass, the DeBoard, or maybe sometimes the run, run, fake pass, run, but then fumble.
0: So we've been talking about MGO blog jokes about how uh, it's going to be the same guy, but I don't think so. You don't think so, right? Like you, you think your new OC is going to do pretty well?
1: I do, Kalen DeBoer. He's got him actually a really impressive sixty-seven to three record when he was the head football coach at the University of Sioux Falls. And as we kind of alluded to, I'm just really excited to see Peyton throw the ball this year. He's got a great arm.
0: Sioux Falls is that even a Division One program?
1: Okay, Jeff. The Indiana University Hoosiers are Division One program, and we're taking it all the way this year.
0: We actually last year had a trip to Sioux Falls planned. That's where the Miami Heat's their affiliate G League team is, and and when Duncan Robinson, before he signed that amazing contract, mm-hmm. he was doing that giant trip from Sioux Falls to Miami. And I think that's the biggest, in the league, that was the biggest distance between the Phillet team and Miami Heat. And when all the Miami Heat guards were injured, Duncan Robinson was playing in Sioux Falls one day. And then he'd take two charter, no, no, no charter flights to the G League. He had to take like two commercial flights, Connection, and then show up and play in Miami, we were going to go do his laundry and <laughs> hang out with him, right?
1: Yeah, we were. I mean, it was so cool that he got to play for the Heat, but can't imagine all those flights and just being so tired and definitely would have offered to do laundry, help prepare some of his meals, whatever the guy needed.
0: He, he actually did an amazing job because he played himself into a giant Miami Heat contract from a Division three player. I mean, John Beeline just does magic.
1: Yeah. Duncan Robinson, you're awesome. So Jeff, when did you become a Michigan fan?
0: My fandom started undergraduate on the East Coast, and I went to Michigan for law school. And so in 2008, I was choosing between different law schools, and I don't think I could ever go to Duke or USC. Those are all teams that I don't support. The year 2008 or 2007, there was actually an op-ed in the Dartmouth that compared whether or not Dartmouth or Michigan had the worst season, and I think they were talking about 2007. Interesting. 2007, Dartmouth had that 0-16, the opposite of undefeated, like un, unvictured, <laughs> un, unwinning season. The op-ed had the 0-16 season on one page, and then on the other page, it had Michigan's what Bill Simmons calls the massacre in Ann Arbor, where Appalachian State comes as not a Division One program, a Division One A program, and oh. they get, we pay them $4 million to come to the big house. Game one, and they come and they just destroy us.
1: Oh, wow. So so you saw that, and that made you want to go to Michigan?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it, it happened before my time. It was 2007, but in 2008, there was a retrospective, and that was sort of the start of my Michigan fandom. Brady Hoke, sadness, more sadness, <laughs> muffed pun, and I don't know, just all these JT Barrett getting the first down, all, all, all the sadness, and that's how I became a fan.
1: So Jeff, tell us about your time during law school. Um, did you go to the games? Did you tailgate? How did how did that work out?
0: I have gotten sort of progressively more and more of a larger Michigan fan. And every year I get deeper and sadder. I think last year with the revenge tour, I told myself that I wouldn't wouldn't let myself be invested until the end. And they had that string of very impressive victories. That demolition of Mm -hmm. James Franklin and and, and Ann Arbor on a perfect fall day, the second last stop of the revenge tour. And I just really, really got back into it only for the big game against Ohio State to have my heart broken again. The tailgates, I think one of my friends from the Pac-12 asked me, where's the tailgate? That question just didn't really compute because there's no the tailgate. On Saturday, Mm -hmm. all of Ann Arbor shuts down. I mean, you really got to go, Kathy, to experience that. But the whole town becomes the tailgate.
1: Yeah, you definitely can't miss the the big house. I mean, I don't want to hate on Indiana Memorial um, Stadium, but but yeah, the big house is definitely a sight to see just from what I saw during our quick trip there.
0: And one of the events that we're going to tonight is the John Bacon, John U. Bacon's launch of his new book, Overtime. I'm a big avid fan reader. I started learning about Rich Rodriguez's program uh, in, in the book, Three and Out, where he was kind of embedded into the Michigan football program. And got just amazing access. And I think he did such a good job, even though it was so candid, um, of both Michigan's athletic department, the football program, all the mistakes um, in bringing in Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And now there are, I think, two books, End Zone and Overtime. It's all football terms, so three and out, fourth and long. So tonight we're going to go see Overtime. And I think, Kathy, you've actually been following sort of the controversies a little bit mm-hmm. that the book has caused. Tell us a little bit about sort of the different controversies and uh, and the, the, the one about the cheaters and then also the one about before the Michigan State game, the excerpts of the book that have come out.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because for the Michigan State game, there's this little item called Paul, Paul Bunyan, I believe. And, that's the trophy, you know? Okay, that's, that's the, the trophy. interstate
0: rivalry. Whoever wins that game gets the trophy.
1: Okay, so it's similar to Indiana Purdue in, in the bucket. So I get it. But yeah, Paul Bunyan, it was the first time that I had ever heard the term taking the, the low you know, when someone takes the high road, they actually mentioned taking the low road. And I was like, what does this mean? And they were saying that just because Michigan State likes to march into the big house with Paul Bunyan, if they win a game, and kind of go out into the field after and storm it with Paul, that was something that Michigan was going to do if they won in East Lansing. And I know there was kind of some taunting back and forth. And
0: And it's so funny, because like that one, obviously, both sides of the fan base, in the state of Michigan have strong feelings about that. But I think Bo always had the idea that the Paul Bunyan was what we call a locker room trophy. We don't take it out in the field. Mm -hmm. We win the Paul Bunyan and we're in the locker room. You know how John Beeline has those water gun celebrations. But I don't think, I think it was like, you know, go in there, go to East Lansing, do Mm -hmm. business, take the trophy back. And we never, ever paraded it on the field. But I think that whole little brother mentality – for Michigan State they started really really running the trophy around the field and yelling and yapping and so I think that's why Harbaugh had that instruction where it's like you know if you're gonna do that we'll do that too
1: yeah so what I've heard about Paul Bunyan it's one of those things that it's not the prettiest trophy but we just you really miss it when it's not there I
0: think we can just call it ugly I was trying to
1: be nice but you I know mean,
0: Bunyan's like a you know what is he like a, a lumberjack He's strong. I do think that one of the all-time on-the-field celebration poses was DPJ right. doing the Paul Bunyan.
1: Yep. And I didn't even know what that was at the time, but I was like, what is he doing? And and now I understand.
0: Yeah, I mean, me too. Like, I watched it and I was like, that's kind of a weird sort of end zone <laughs> celebration. Like, the officials didn't flag him. Nobody really understood what was happening there. And then after the game, that's why Twitter was invented, right? You have the side-by-side pictures. And man, that was awesome. He did a 100% Paul
1: pose.
0: <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder we'll if we'll see it again and of course chase after the game said yeah they asked him how do you feel about winning the trophy and chase is like we think that uh paul likes it better than ann arbor and, and i found that hilarious
1: yeah i'm sure paul does like it better than ann arbor so
0: the perfect segue into season highlights i talked about the penn state game and highlights the about michigan but what about from the indiana fan base perspective kathy well, what did you think about last season?
1: Heartbreak was kind of the theme. Last season was a bit heartbreaking for Indiana football fans. You know, all 10 of us. Yeah,
0: I'm always curious. Where do the other nine fans live? Bloomington? Mm-hmm. As we were saying earlier, you and I were the only people on the entire second floor of Joe's and Weed watching. But I think that bar, that arrangement with Neyana, they end up making more money in the basketball portion. The football is probably a loss leader.
1: Yeah, you're right. That poor bartender. I I can't stop thinking about her and probably the horrible day she had. So like yours in the past, we came so close to going to a bowl game, but only to come short on the season 5-7. It always comes down to that Purdue game. So outside of playing the Big Ten East, we started out the season 4-1, which is actually pretty good but then we went on to to be 1-6 the rest of the season
0: and that's always kind of how it goes right like you started the season and you play four non-conference games against pretty weak opposition at that point we're like we're 4-0 we got a chance to go to the bowl game mm-hmm. I think I even made a bet with you that Michigan yep. State game was so close the bet yeah. was if you guys beat Michigan yep. State and do us a favor yep and take yourself to five games, I'll take us to the bowl game that Indiana goes to, all expenses paid.
1: Yes. And I, when you made that bet with me, I was so excited because I have not been to a bowl game in person. And, and yeah, of course, and my heart just got broken. Again. I mean,
0: I think Indiana football hasn't been to a bowl game in person either. <laughs> that's, so. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it, it's not, not just you, <laughs> uh, but that's just how it goes. I think for now and we're, we're out there being like, yeah, this is your bowl game. And I think you managed to beat one Big Tony's team, right? And so that takes you to five games. And then then the Purdue game, very much like the Michigan-Ohio State game, becomes one for all the marbles. You're playing for the bucket, playing for the bowl game, playing to beat your rivals, and then it doesn't turn out that well.
1: Same old story every year. Last year, that Penn State game in particular was a heartbreaker. I mean, if you think about those win probability charts, It would go up and up throughout the game, just increasing, but then right at the last minute, it would plummet and crash, kind of like a bad stock market or something.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually even crazier than that. If you look at the table, I don't think you guys are going up. I think what happens is you come out and something about Coach Allen, you come out and you get punched in the face and you'd be totally out of the game, crazy, Mm -hmm. sort of, you're like down to like a 5% win percentage. And somehow... I think it's Peyton Ramsey, it's uh, Stevie, the board, but you'll make these low probability, crazy hustle players to get the percentage back up to a huge winning percentage, above 50%, close to 90, and then you lose.
1: Yep, that's every single game. And you're right. Like We would start out where it's kind of like, all right, well, typical, like we're not going to win. But then we make the makings of a wonderful comeback story and then just heartbreak.
0: Coach Tom Allen had a very happy moment though. Who can forget his very vigorous victory dance when they were leading Michigan at the half last year.
1: Yeah, if you saw that, that is not a victory dance you would ever forget. I mean, he literally looked like he had just won the national title. I was really happy for him.
0: It was like he won the championship, the lottery, Mayor of Bloomington. There actually is some controversy about that game because the Michigan fan base is kind of upset. I think, of just Coach Allen some of the view on, on this side of the fan base that game was that you guys played the accusations that you guys played dirty. We haven't been able to rewatch those plays together, but that's a controversy. I think Coach Allen was saying in the press conference that football's a game and we gotta punch hard. And that was his response to some of the dirty plays. Just a lot of after the play vigorousness. Someone stepped on Chase Winovich and injured him for the rest of the season. Some controversy there.
1: I don't remember seeing that, but but you're right. Maybe at some point we'll kind of go back and rewatch that the game and see. See if there was any of that. Speaking of Michigan, Jeff, do you remember our prop bets for that game?
0: This is the thing where whenever Kathy and I watch a game together, we'll take out a bar napkin and mm-hmm. keep tallies of different idiosyncratic weird things that we keep track of. I got this because I'd seen tickets to the Michigan basketball Chrysler Center before it was renovated, and it was still high school bleacher seating. Now it's like plush blue seats, and it's amazing.
1: Okay, not as cool as Assembly Hall, but keep going. But
0: it was it was an amazing aesthetic experience, right? Like just yeah, it's smaller. It's, it's definitely it's smaller. Nice. When I was at the game, I watched this old couple and they had these super old school. They were the season ticket holders that were right beside us. And it's kind of a a season ticket family, right? Like You kind of get to know the people around the season ticket holders that you have, which is why Pizza Guy, he did such a bad job with mixing up all the season tickets and and all those relationships that people really liked got destroyed. I was watching this old couple and they had these old school basketball team tracking printed out sheets where they would tally rebounds, points assists yeah. and I thought you know if Kathy and I are watching the game together we'll keep track of stuff too but we have ESPN on their phones and we don't need to keep track of the statistics we'd keep track of how many run run passes <laughs> how many times Jim Harbaugh's trying to throw his play cards but has them hooked up because his dad told him not to cause any trouble on the sidelines yeah we just made a lot of different prop bets about the over under how many times just really interesting things and we would definitely recommend when you watch a game to keep track of random things that keep things interesting outside of the actual formal statistics
1: definitely makes the game infinitely more fun to watch for sure so jeff outside of the prop bets i know you kind of mentioned a couple of them before but did you have any other highlights from this season
0: going off the top of my head revenge tour was so fun that kind of energy People have really strong feelings about Devin Bush fighting the logo on East Lansing Field. I was I was for it. That whole death march linked up arms at the beginning of the game with some as uh Jim Harbaugh would call Bush League antics. And I definitely agree with that. We just have to get over our Little Brother and just <laughs> beat Michigan State every year. Don't even think about that game. Just just beat them. Just just turn it back into a locker room trophy. No more hijinks, no more, you know, getting it up from Michigan State. Just go in there, do business, beat Little Brother the way that we should. So we've reached the regular segment portion of our podcast. This is our first episode, but we think this is a success. If you guys like listening to us, there are several segments that we think we'll do each week. One of my favorite columns on Blog is opponent watch, which basically looks at every team that we play, how they do in their seasons. When it's before we play them, it's analysis on their plays and things like that. And then after we play them, it's looking at the transitive properties, implications of the team that we beat and whether they beat other strong teams and that makes us look better or they lose to other weak teams and that victory is devalued. Opponent watches, Kathy and I always say, that <laughs> can't be replicated. It's just so good. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna go more in depth on a rival, sort of like a mini opponent watch, looking at the rivals. But that leads to an important question. Who is the rival that we're going to talk about each week? Just a little tidbits from their game that week. Who is the team that we're going to talk about? Starting with Indiana, who is IU's main rival, Kathy? Like, who are we going to talk about?
1: Well, I think everyone knows without a doubt, Purdue Apparently, Purdue has this thing where they chant IU sucks, even when they're not playing IU. And that's something that's so weird to me. I mean, I don't get why they're so obsessed with us.
0: Apparently in the clock tower at Purdue, the Roman numbers, Roman one, two, three, and Roman four, like the IV, they don't have a Roman four because they think that it looks too close to IU. So they just have four ones as the IV on the Purdue clock tower. That's crazy, right?
1: That is pretty crazy. As I said, it's kind of an obsession. And case in point, I have a running friend who I ran into at a running event and he went to Purdue. Really nice guy. I hadn't seen him in a while and wanted to kind of catch up before I had a chance I, to even,
0: and Go this was literally like you running into him on the lakefront trail, like you're actually running.
1: That's really funny. Cause that would have made it even a funnier story, but I ran into him at a running event.
0: Okay, so close enough, you're like running and, yeah. in and and so 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 you see this guy and, and you know you know he goes to Purdue, like he knows you go to IU, like yes. you went to IU?
1: Yes, that's all been established. For me, I was just like, Oh, time to catch up with a friend, see what's going on. You know, I, I go to say hi before I even had a chance to say hi or have any kind of word come out of my mouth. The first thing he says is, Hey, IU sucks. I just think it's ingrained in these people.
0: We're also big basketball fans. Mm-hmm. And I think for now, given that the season has started, we're going to talk about football. But the plan is we'll also do some basketball podcasts yeah. too, right? You think?
1: Yes, absolutely. We love basketball here.
0: We're following the season and all of last season. It was the most drawn out version of this drama that I've ever seen. Can little Archie <laughs> make, take the team to the tournament? And so we're, we're doing these numbers. And every time we think that I use out of it, they'll do something crazy and be back into it. Actually, really similar to IU football in football games.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's right.
0: There were all these funny tweets about IU basketball, IU football, two Spidermen like pointing at each other. Yep. It was the most in-depth historical analysis that we did about how low can you go? Right, like you win twenty games, maybe you can get in. Yep. In a big conference, mm-hmm. not if you're in a small conference. You know, 19, 18, I think we mm-hmm. even did like seventeen yeah. and sixteen. Can yep. you get into we the tournament really with sixteen pushing wins the limit there? You learned about automatic bids right and how it works
1: that was fun to learn about last year yeah
0: so you were pro automatic bids and then when you realized the implications for IU you were anti-automatic bids yes I
1: became anti-automatic bids very fast
0: because you were like why do these teams and weak conferences get to go just because they win the tournament
1: it's not fair I mean we have a very tough conference and that was very apparent especially during away games so why does random Joe Schmo team that doesn't even have a shot at the tournament get to take up a spot especially when IU is so close
0: but we're definitely self-serving on who hail about on teams i think initially the appeal of the automatic bid is that every team in the country has a chance to make the tournament if you win your own tournament right and, and we're pretty taken by that idea generally right
1: yes but knowing how the tournament was going to fare out i mean don't worry i was rooting for indiana to win the whole thing but the reality we were out i think it was like wednesday or thursday morning i mean no nope. anti-automatic bids from that point
0: yeah what we were counting you know how many games in the regular season does IU need to win and then how deep does IU need to go in the Big Ten tournament do they need to win one game two games we were plying out the charts mm-hmm. it got a little crazy and I think all the IU fans were doing that same process like football they were dangling hope up yep. until the very last minute On that story, the IU sucks, what we were talking about. Are we a Coach Matt Painter podcast?
1: So I would not go that far, but he did say a nice thing one day.
0: So Yana, I think the two marquee basketball victories Inexplicable. Kathy will tell you a bit more about one of the marquee games that we went to. Indiana beat Michigan State twice, something that Michigan was not able to do. Michigan basketball had the anti-three-peat. We lose the regular season. We lose the Big Ten title game. Two games during the season and the Big Ten title game, right? We're Mm -hmm. losing to Michigan State. We thought we'd win the regular season title, and we lost to them. And yeah, so it's sort of the three-peat. And we were ahead, you know, by the 12-minute mark. We were ahead in both games and just ran out of gas. But somehow, magically, Indiana beat Michigan State magically. Twice. Twice, yeah. And you want to tell tell us a little bit about one of those times?
1: Yeah, so um, I remember that... It was actually February 2nd. I remember the date because it's my friend's birthday, but also because it was just such a great moment in my life. This past February, IU beat Michigan State. It was one of those where pretty close throughout the entire game, and it was IU's probably going to end up losing at the end. That's typically what happens, but even down to the wire in the fourth quarter, it looked like we had a really, really good shot, and we actually did end up kind of winning that one and taking it home, and I think the funny thing about that, that same day, Purdue was playing Minnesota.
0: I think the Purdue's eyeballs were deeply invested into that game because I think Purdue and Michigan State were tied at the top of the Big Ten regular season. Yeah. Title and the way that you win a regular season title is just the number of wins, right? Purdue and Michigan State were head to head on the chart. And then, really, if Indiana beat Michigan State, it would take Michigan State down a notch in the victory column. So, Purdue was actually really invested in that game. So, Purdue is playing Minnesota, completely unrelated game. As you said, anytime it doesn't matter who Purdue is playing, they're going to be chanting.
1: Yes, they're going to be chanting IU socks.
0: It was also bad because there was a player on Minnesota that Purdue was calling ugly. Minnesota star player, Coach Painter, had to take the microphone and say, hey guys, stop calling the player ugly. The other thing that Coach Painter said was, maybe these are two different games, but I think Coach Painter had to restrain Purdue. You you know how we think about Purdue and Purdue fans on this podcast. On this day, Matt Painter comes out, and this is on intercom, right? Like in the stadium, (laughs) And, and Matt Painter says, don't say IU sucks. IU actually does not suck. They beat Michigan State today and that really helped us out. And I think the fans actually, one of the rare times that Purdue fans cheered for Indiana that day.
1: That was one announcement that Matt Painter made that I was like, yeah, you know, you're actually right.
0: And will you tell us a little bit about, I mean, this is so important, another big moment in your life, the other... IU victory against Michigan State. Tell us about that yes. experience.
1: Oh my gosh, that was one of the coolest things that happened to me. I actually went to an IU alumni event here in Chicago. And Was this a you know,
0: uh, Kelly event? Yes. IU, is this school? Yes, it's this an- is cool. They have amazing swag. They have Mark Cuban, right? And Mark yeah. Cuban pays for some of it.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. It's great. And so I went and I hadn't been to an alumni event in a very long time. I was a little nervous about going. Everyone's probably gonna be a lot younger than me. And it's funny enough, I, I do go and, and that is the case. But it was an versus purdue game basketball game that we were watching and it ended up being fun i mean i love to talk about sports bonding with folks over that i but... said so
0: this was the kelly event where you're watching in chicago watching this iu game on tv and yes. it's an iu basketball game
1: yes and this was before the michigan state um the second michigan state game sure. so you anyway... remember who you guys were playing yes we were playing purdue
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rivalry game. And did you guys win?
1: No, okay. <laughs> we lost last minute. Yeah. So, well, pretty. Yeah. has...
0: Was Carson Edwards on his tear yet At that time? You know, was not awesome? so
1: much as we saw him in the tournament, but yeah, he definitely was kind of knocking out some threes and making good shots. Got to yeah. give it to Carson. The best part about the night, though, was that they had a raffle. I never really enter these things. I mean, I don't have good luck. I hardly ever win.
0: But I have great luck. Like, Jeff I, has
1: great luck, just, which
0: on this is tear winning raffles
1: super is... annoying. But anyways, he typically has good luck i don't have the best of luck but i think
0: i transitively because you would have taken me to the game so you kind of entered into my bubble of free things
1: i think that's what happened it was funny because they had a variety of prizes the top prize was a couple free tickets to the indiana michigan state game down in bloomington along with a free hotel stay free parking pretty much a dream come true they picked out the first winner the first winner opted not to take the tickets because they said they were out of town or something they picked another winner the other winner didn't want the tickets as well I was in shock they picked a third winner the third winner did not want the tickets they picked out a fourth winner it was me I was like I'm taking the tickets
0: it wasn't even a weekday game right it was a Saturday game yeah the drive down to Bloomington from Chicago is pretty easy two and a half three hours yeah so so it was so funny that these people didn't want to go to the it was a it was a noon game though Saturday noon. That's true.
1: But still, I mean, enjoy your Friday night in Bloomington or or Saturday, whatever you choose. Yeah, drive over in
0: the morning, enjoy your Friday night. Maybe a night game would have been more popular, you know, basketball, and noon game.
1: I was so excited. I hadn't been to Assembly Hall, I think, since I was a student. It had been about seven or eight years, so I was super excited to go down. We go down. Some unfortunate things happened, so I lost one of the tickets, and it was kind of in my pocket, fell out. I didn't realize tickets were, were essentially cash.
0: We're so used to nowadays with yeah. StubHub tickets on your phone, going into a ticket office to reprint them. but this was a weird situation because you won these physical tickets We didn't even know how to get it reissued, sticking out of your purse, and and they just one fell out. Yeah. So I had to go buy, spend $100 I know. on a scalper outside the stadium. I was seriously thinking about watching it from a bar and having you watch the game. That would have totally changed our lives if I did that.
1: Yeah, that is true. And I, I guess the reason why I really wanted Jeff there was because Assembly Hall, as IU fans know, it's really magical. You've got the cheers and the crowd's just amazing. And so I was like, you know what? I don't care how much it costs. Like, You just need to come watch the game. It ended up being important because IU won, so that was amazing. But after... after... After the game came an opportunity that I really think was once in a lifetime. We actually decided, so IU fans rush the court, which is a whole nother story, but.
0: And there's this whole controversy. (laughs) Every time IU rushes court, we discovered that there are five titles, five stars on all the basketball gear, significantly find one star for each title. And I mean, my opinion, and Kathy has a different opinion, but my opinion is that rushing the court has really strict rules. We we actually Googled all the different roles, but mm-hmm. my opinion is if you have five basketball titles, you don't rush the court under any circumstance because it's undignified. But I think IU, Archie, struggling, beating the number one team in the conference really needed a little bit of a boost.
1: It's okay. I mean, I I know there are strict rules. We have five banners. But you know, people were so happy for the victory. They rushed on the court. We noticed that some folks were gathering around. We were wondering why out pops some of the players, they actually had all the players come out stand in different corners of the room. And they were talking to people taking pictures, everything was so well put together. And the players were really great. I actually got individual pictures with the players, which I was so excited about. And that definitely made not only Indiana beating Michigan State, that was so awesome but getting to see in person getting to meet the players and take pictures was definitely a weekend that I I truly remember Jeff who are Michigan's rivals I asked you last year whether you wanted Michigan State or Ohio State to win when they played each other because I wasn't sure what the right answer was
0: yeah that one was one of those games where the arguments on both ends having Michigan State help us beat Ohio State so that we can make the title game Or preserving Ohio State's perfect record so that when we beat them, we beat a better team. That one was one of those that I went back and forth, back and forth. Should Michigan State win or should Ohio State win? Kevi, do you remember where we ended up on that, like what we wanted?
1: Oh man, it was so long ago. I think we wanted Michigan State to win, but correct me if I'm wrong.
0: On one end, it was like, you know, send little brother to do the, do our work for us mm-hmm. so that it was guaranteed that we can make the title game since Ohio State would have a loss. Yeah. We actually had the same scenario, right? If Maryland beat Ohio State, then even if we lost Ohio State, we'd still make the title game. So we went back and forth there, and I think the whole blogosphere was on fire, right? Everyone had these strong views. I think I ended up wanting Ohio State to win so that we wouldn't have someone else, particularly your little brother, be the hatchet man doing the work for us. We would actually do the work.
1: I think there were better national title prospects if Ohio State had won because if Michigan beats Ohio State, that makes you all look even better I guess me being from Indianapolis, I was personally rooting for Michigan State just because the title game was in Indy, and I really wanted to go.
0: That was tough too because there was we watched that game, and Maryland took it to the brink. Mm-hmm. And there was that open pass where Piggy could have just really—it was a game of toss where he just tossed it to the end zone and it was totally open. And Piggy just overthrew that so much. And we were watching the game, and we I'm out of apologies to the fan base. I might have jinxed us because I was watching the game and I had hotels in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. flights, all that like lined up, ready to hit sand and then Piggy missed.
1: I was so sad when that happened, but one good thing did come out of it. Instead of heading to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game, we decided to go to Ann Arbor for the Michigan basketball game versus Purdue instead.
0: Something that I'd never done before, driving all that way for a basketball game. We were so sad. I mean, we were we were happy for Coach Fitz. Yeah, Coach- we
1: were happy for Coach, Coach Fitz. Fitz
0: made the game and he made it competitive for a half and third. Those Ohio State receivers versus the Northwestern Corners, five star receivers that in the NFL combine they were able to run four fours and the corners and safety is trying to cover them that just blew up in the game mm-hmm. very much like the Michigan game where slant turns into 60 yards they're just so fast instead of being sad we suggested that we go to Ann Arbor mm-hmm. and that worked out well for us it right it did
1: it did it started an entire season of heightened love for college basketball which we'll definitely go into more on future episodes of this podcast
0: so on the rival question I think Michigan I think we have and it's different for basketball especially since our basketball program has gotten so good Basketball, we have this burgeoning rivalry with North Carolina, mm-hmm. just because of how we've played them. It's hard because there's so many basketball programs, but I think for football, there's three: Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The game, yeah, needs no explanation. High noon, Thanksgiving, Saturday for all the marbles. And then there's Michigan State in-state rivalry, which has gotten very poisonous in recent years. And then there's the Notre Dame rivalry, which Kathy is a little bit new to you. Brady Hoke decided to play the chicken song. We planted a stake in Notre Dame Stadium that was outrageous behavior. They canceled the series, and Jim Harbaugh brought it back with the new athletic director. And this year, for the first time, we're playing that game in October, which is okay. really strange. Usually it's yeah, the first, first game, game of the yeah. season. And I think it has to be Ohio State, right? Michigan State, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, we want that game to go away. Mm-hmm. We just want to go in there, do business, keep Paul inside, and just make that happen. Mm-hmm. So Ohio State, for sure. This segment, Rival Watch, will be Purdue for you, yes. Ohio State for me, and we're going to say a little bit about the program, a little bit about what that program is doing for our fans. So my little update on Ohio State is, obviously, you have Ryan Day, the new coach, and you have Justin Fields, the Georgia quarterback that hasn't really taken a starter snap, and everyone's really excited about them. And Kathy, you and I had had this long conversation about it about whether or not Fields is a real deal. And I think your Ohio State fan friends are super excited about yes. him, right?
1: Yeah, she definitely thinks that Ohio State's a national title contender now with the new coach.
0: New coach, new quarterback. Yeah, new coach. Right? New and you're telling me yeah. about the Heisman odds, how like Fields is up there?
1: He's definitely up there. I don't remember what the specific odds were, but I do remember he's like a top contender. And it's interesting because I heard that the top contenders don't usually get it. But to start out the season, he's up there.
0: You were also telling me that the people that are at the top of the Heisman odds never win. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. My feeling on Fields is that he is all smoke, no fire. He does have a really great arm, but we'll see how he fares against Don Brown's defense.
1: Yep, we shall see.
0: To close out each week's episode of Who Who Hail, we're doing a segment we're calling One City Thing. Bonus points to our listeners who can come up with a better title of this segment or a sponsor. One City Thing is about highlighting one thing that makes Bloomington and Ann Arbor special so that you can reminisce on your college days or go to visit Mm -hmm. on game day.
1: To start off with Indiana, one of the most iconic pieces of IU's campus is the Sample Gates.
0: Why is it called the Sample Gates, Scotty?
1: Jeff is making fun of me right now because I initially didn't know.
0: So we're visiting all the apparel stores, college gear stores in Bloomington.
1: Which might be the subject of a future One City Thing segment.
0: To find Kathy, who didn't have one at the time, an IU hoodie in the iconic burgundy and white.
1: Okay, Jeff, no. It's cream and crimson, Jeff. Everyone knows that.
0: My apologies. Cream and crimson. But what Cassie didn't have in her wardrobe repertoire of fan outfits, (laughs) uh, and regular outfits too, is that giant hoodie you can throw on top of everything.
1: On the weekend, a, a celebrity just trying to throw on a big pair of shades and a hoodie to get some coffee from a corner store. That kind of hoodie. What I didn't know was that hoodies come in different cuts. So there's that giant boyfriend hoodie that goes over everything, but looks like I'm wearing a giant trash bag. And then there's that magical cut for a woman's body hoodie that's flattering and looks like I'm both, you know, an Instagram influencer at the same time I'm playing on the team. It's surprising how some of those hoodies with Indiana on the front isn't on the middle of the torso and doesn't line up with the sight lines. I didn't know that until I tried several of them
0: on. Thanks to my extensive girl cut hoodie (laughs) fashion knowledge, we found the perfect magical hoodie for Kathy that looks like it was tailored for her.
1: Good job, Jeff. You did an amazing job. So I'm just saying, if there are any girlfriends out there in the audience that want to go shopping with me, I've tried on literally every IU hoodie on campus. Or you can just take Jeff. He'll, He'll pick a good one too.
0: So we're at our fourth IU apparel store, and there are these amazing looking gates in the distance. And I look it up on my phone. They're called the sample gates.
1: The Sample Gates is referred to as the door to campus. It sits between Kirkwood Avenue and campus.
0: And how would you describe that in relation to everything else? Is that pretty central?
1: So it's southwest, kind of the gate between campus and the downtown restaurants and bars. And it's called the Sample Gates because Edson Sample funded the Gates in 1987. He was the former director of the Office of Scholarships and Financial Aid.
0: And what's so special about these Sample Gates?
1: The gates are constructed of Indiana limestone. There is a brick path that flows right into campus. So if you're on campus, either visiting for the first time or back for a return visit, it's worth seeing. It's definitely a staple for many graduation pictures.
0: After visiting the Snapple Gates, you can take a trip to Ann Arbor and you can go visit the Law Quad, where I went to school. The majestic law library that people take photographs of and mm-hmm. visits. Kevi, what was your opinion like when you visit the law quad? Was it impressive? Did you like it?
1: I thought it was so beautiful. What's the name of that one library or room that you walk in and it looks like a church?
0: The law library. Yeah, it's called the the reading room. That part of it.
1: I absolutely love the reading room, and it's funny too because I think there was one section of the law school that hadn't been named yet, and you had mentioned that to me. They were just looking for a donor, kind of waiting, and right after we made that trip there was an update right
0: the law quad is so beautiful and it's made of this special kind of rock and one of the donors william cook who donated that he stipulated that in the law quad if they were building any more buildings the law school the law library they had to use that same rock and in the 70s the law school wasn't as affluent as it is now so being lawyers we found a loophole which was we would build the law library that's connected to the reading room underground so that it didn't have to be constructed with that same kind of granite. The law library goes downstairs in the reading room. Uh, I spent a lot of time in on the third level of the basement called Sub Three, where the law review offices are. I was just stuck there. During my second year of law school, they built a whole new quad using mm-hmm. the same rock to the south of the law school, the law quad, and they called it South Hall. And when we walked past South Hall, Kathy was like, that's kind of a generic name. <laughs> it's like my uh, favorite all-time name for football stadium." Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it? It's, it's uh, a,
1: the all-sports arena. Yeah, multi-sport. Oh, multi-sport field. arena. Yeah. Yeah, multi-sport yeah.
0: field where Georgetown University plays. They're definitely looking for a sponsor to change <laughs> that name. But I think no one wants to sponsor Georgetown football. So they're still called multi-sport field. You walk past South Hall and you're like, that's kind of a generic name, right? I said, they're looking for a sponsor, and they'll get a sponsor, and sure enough, they were sponsored. Visit the Law Quad, it's beautiful. A lot of people who take wedding photos, even if they didn't go there for law school. That brings us close to an end of this week's episode.
1: Yeah, thank you all so much for joining us for the first ever episode of Who Who Hail, a championship podcast.
0: Hopefully, you're just as excited as us for our star cross teams to finally win a title this year. Kathy, do you think Indiana and Michigan can both win the national championship at the same time in both football and basketball this year, this season?
1: I think Indiana has a much better chance than Michigan at winning the football trophy. What is this, year five for Harbaugh? Do you think he'll get over the hump?
0: I think we'll learn a lot about that tonight at the (laughs) John U. Bacon event on overtime. As me and you always say, we'll root for each other's teams 11 weeks of the year. 13 weeks, I guess. There are two bye weeks this year. That's true. On week 12, Indiana will be leading Michigan at halftime. Coach Allen will be celebrating. Like, (laughs) you just said, a kid. (laughs) Lottery. Became president. All the different celebrations.
1: (laughs) Only for Indiana to tragically lose. Those crazy win probability swing charts really got us last year. But we're going to win it all this season. I'm sure of it.
0: Stay tuned in future weeks to see how Kathy's prediction turns out. Next week, we'll be watching the games together. We'll talk about all the interesting things that pop up.
1: It's been real. Whether you're a Hoosier fan, Wolverine fan, or just love the Big Ten or the game of football, we enjoy you being here today.
0: We'll talk soon. Hoo-hoo. Hail.